and welcome to Veterans to Success. Today I've got such a great man with me, uh, Steve, and, and normal normal Pat Drill, uh, I don't do a big glowing introduction because during the conversation it will come out just how much this guy has overcome with challenges and also how successful he's been since losing, uh, losing, right? leaving the mercy even. Right, so Steve, hello and welcome to today's podcast. Hi Joe, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, thanks for asking. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. And, I, and I've got to say, and I've got to say, you're looking uh, really bucket and really well, considering that you've come on here. This is how dedicated you are. You've come on here after having a bit of a bug a few days ago, haven't you? Yeah, the whole family's been uh, been kind of man down, as you say, with, uh, with a bug. So, uh, yeah, we've all had it. It was my turn on, on Wednesday, but I'm over it now. Fully oh, fit again. That's great to hear, uh, and thank you for joining me. We've we've had a chat offline, uh, and I think I think your past is fantastic. And I, what I'd like to do is, first of all, I'd, I'd like you to share with us that your journey before the military. What what was going on in your life before you joined the military? I mean, childhood wise, I, I grew up in in Runcorne, uh, northwest uh, in Cheshire, and. Um, Council estate lad, pretty much, not not kind of a, a bit of a bit of a rocky rocky upbringing. I, I won't lie. So um, my mum kind of did the best we could with, with not much. Uh, she was she was an alcoholic for for many years. My brother and sister's dad, uh, quite abusive and stuff. So um, that went on for probably about well, he was there when I was a baby up until about. 13, so probably at 13 years. Right. Um, probably up until my teenage years, it was a pretty rough life, I'm not going to lie. You know, a lot of things from the scene. Um, but, and I going from there, actually, how I got into the military is uh, she obviously met up with, with my um, brother and sister's dad, and she met somebody who was in the forces. Yeah, that probably kind of paved the way. From the beginning, really, um, we moved. Uh, we moved to Cyprus as well. Uh, they got married and we moved to Cyprus, so we moved out of Rungorn because it wasn't wasn't too safe for me mum and for us to be there at the time. Uh, so we left the country to kind of get away. But obviously, he married my stepdad. He was a completely different character, to be fair. But they're still married now after all these years. So oh. what? But twenty twenty. Three years, we're married now. Um, bit of a, a massive turning curve in, in, in mine and my brother and sister's uh, lives, really. So, uh, yeah, we got out of Dodge and then I, I, we moved to Cyprus. A completely different way of life, a lot more chill. The old kind of council estate and the old, I don't know, I'd say ruffians, I suppose you call them. Um, still kept in touch, still makes with many of them now. It was, it was definitely a, a better way of life and yeah. really um, something that we'd never experienced. So it was good. So yeah, so we, we were out there for about eighteen months and then moved down south uh, to uh, Bulford. Right. Uh, near, you, you might know down there. Yeah, I know. I know Bulford. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I finished my schooling down there. Kind of moved moved out pretty quick. To be fair. When working away with one of my friends and his dad and living in Oxford, 
um, kind of ge general work really um, on the tools, brick hoddy and build, build site work really, um, doing people's kind of block paving and all that good stuff. Done that for about a year maybe, a bit longer, and then kind of was going kind of down the wrong road, let's say, probably drinking too much for, for a young lad and yeah. getting up to all sorts. So decided to kind of, I, I need to do something with my life really, something needs to change. Uh, it wasn't going to end well uh, the way I was going. So I kind of moved back in with my mum and stepdad and decided to train to join the military. I thought, obviously I've been around military um the military environment for quite a while, you know, it would have been about, you know, four years now. It's, yeah. I had a decent amount of knowledge of what it entailed. I had a couple of friends that I'd kind of grew up with at joined the military as well. So, you know, I, I had a good, I wasn't going in there blind. I kind of knew what I was getting into. Uh, so, yeah, I decided to start training up when I was 18, joined, joined the military, and it was, yeah, all, all fun and games from there, really, mate. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. So, so... In your former years, then it was a bit tough. And I know Runcorn well, actually. And there are good people as well as bad people in Runcorn, which is what you implied. And then, <clears throat> so you left Runcorn pretty sharpish because uh, you feared for your lives. Went to Cyprus, which is a great place because I've been over to Cyprus. Uh, <clears throat> was, your, was your stepdad in the infantry or...? or... Yes, yes. Um, who now the Mason, which I joined the same uh, regiment. Right, yeah, okay, yeah, got that. Because when you said Bulford, because I did my army physical training instructor's refresher course at Bulford, yeah, so right. I know that well. So, so then you're prompted to join the military. So, tell me, what what day or what age were you when you thought, yeah, let's let's get in? And then what was the training like from getting from being a civvy into the Mercian regiment? I was probably about 18, maybe just turned 18 at the time when I decided to, to kind of, I needed to take a different path. Um, and luckily I went back and I still had to support with my mum and stuff, so I still had kind of somewhere to live. Um, I, I got kind of, not the best jobs, but I got jobs that were paying okay, that kind of kept me going money-wise. A lot of it was, was running, really, Um just getting out and, and me running. I was always, I was always been quite sporty as a kid. I always played football and stuff. I was quite, yeah. but probably that last, probably that year of working away, didn't really do any sports, no kind of physical activity, which, you know, wasn't the best. And I was uh, drinking heavily and, and doing other bits and bobs that I wasn't meant to be doing. So, um, yeah, it took a bit of a toll on, on the old body. I'm not going to lie, even though I was young. I, I felt really unhealthy, unfit. Um, so, yeah, I think it was just about kind of getting out there and, and getting the fitness back, so press up, yeah. sit up, things to do. The, the military, um, you know, for your PFT, your 50 press-ups, 50 sit-ups. Yeah, yeah. So started off slow and built it up. To be fair, once I went and done, you, you do the two-day assessment, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, something like that. Yeah, I still weren't the fittest, I'm not going to lie. I, you know, I wasn't where I used to be, I was. Uh, fit enough to pass all the tests and stuff. So, so yeah, it was just, yeah, that, that, that's it, really. Okay, so you you passed your two-day selection and you're in, and you've probably heard phrases like, I'm your mother now, <laughs> from, 
from the DS or something similar. So yeah. what what happened when you finished your basic training? How grueling was that? And then where did you go to afterwards? Yeah, so I mean the basic training. I mean when you're in there, when you're when you're in it, this is this is awful. It's like you're getting beasted and stuff. You know, you're talking about two thousand five yeah. when I joined, so um I think you could probably still get away with a lot of stuff you can't do now. Yeah. Um, it, it was uh, it was tough when looking back on it, probably you know, one of the best times of email to career, and you probably heard a lot of people say that themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The change in lifestyle, maybe the discipline as well, like you probably didn't never have before you got there. Obviously you come out your your six your six months and you kind of drill into you that, you know, you're a soldier now, a different mindset, you know, your, your fitness is is it, it, top level, especially as, as an infantryman. Um, fitness is one of the, you know, the the, the main focuses when once you, uh, when, when you're in. Um, yeah, it was good, good, good time of my uh, career, and yeah, we, when we joined, we went over to Northern Ireland. So we're in Northern Ireland for well, two year posting, but by the time I got there, I'd done about eighteen months out there. Um, we were in um, Balakinla, yeah, so Newcastle way. Again, we've done all the kind of all the different operational stuff out there, Bresbrook Mill, uh, South Armagh, all that good stuff, uh, all the riot training drills. Again, probably really good time in my career, really, just because you, you, you're quite new. And I, I think as soon as you get there and get over that couple of months of being the, the new the new kid, the crow, as they call him, when, when <laughs> I was in there, you get past that, you, you know, you build friendships and stuff. And uh, once, once you... You know, you found your feet in there, it becomes a lot better. All the training and stuff, the Northern Ireland training, if you've been over there, it's, it's different. It's a lot more fun over there, all the right training drills. That was all good stuff. So, um, And you had to be in and around people all the time because you couldn't go home. So you were, you were, you were fully based in Northern Ireland. So you were with the same lads on the weekend that you were through the week. So, again, that, that builds bigger bonds, bigger relationships. So, so it was... It was it was it was a laugh. It was it was it was a good time. And we're over there. To be fair, yeah, and a lot of going out and stuff like that. And it was there's not much to do. To be fair, out there, and you know, yeah. you kind of look and having a beer and stuff. So, which, very... is, which is a total in total contrast to when uh, my mates uh, and people in the time I was in, right. Uh, in the eighties, I've got mates who were in the seventies, and Northern Ireland was completely different. So you go there then after the peace agreement, aren't you? And so, what was what did a typical day look like in Northern Ireland at that time? To be fair, a lot of it was, was a lot of training out there. Um, so in Ballykinlad, we had a decent range on there. We had the old um, the right training village right. there. Yeah. And a, Riot training drills when the when the March season was coming up, uh, a lot of live firing drills, a lot of, a lot of fears, a lot of running and stuff like that, a lot of physical stuff out there. But even being honest, like the day to day activity was it was different. But sometimes it could be, you know, you could be, you know, running in the morning, then back in your room playing PlayStation by, you know, ten. You you a lot of the time you were waiting around to the, when you weren't training. Oh, and, and by the way. But for the taxpayers out there listening, like when you say PlayStation, that's obviously in the station 
playing at being a soldier and knowing exactly what you're doing and working tirelessly with taxpayers' money. Bills, in, yeah, that's it. <laughs> but when you, when you, I always say about the minutes, so when you work and you work yeah, hard, yeah. how hard you actually have to work, yeah. even in ways like pushing your body to its limits. And I go back to being like a, an infantry minutes. You have to be physically fit, and people yeah. understand how fit you need to be. Even stuff like kind of carrying the kit on your back you need to carry. When you when you're working out, you're working hard, so it's only it's only right when you get a bit of downtime. Yeah, of course it is, and I'm only pulling you like because you work hard, play hard, and same same with me in the engineers. Like we'd be building bridges and flipping all sorts. Like you'd be on an OP at three o'clock in the morning, and no one sees that. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and I remember about fitness because the military fitness is a lot different. When I was in, it was in the eighties, and everyone was saying how, fo- how fit footballers were. Uh, so, so down at Limpston, the Commandos challenged Manchester United players and it took them down for beat up uh, and let them do the assault course and that. And they didn't do that well because their fitness playing football on the football pitch is a little bit different than the fitness we have in the military, isn't it? It's completely different, you know, running with, with no pretty easy, anyone can do it. Stick a, a 40 pound day stick on your back and body armor and put a rifle and helmet on and a pair of boots. Yeah. It gets a little bit harder and it's, you know, shocked. I, I remember uh, me missus actually, she come up to, to Cat Sick when we were based there and I, I've just come off a tab, an eight miler, CF2, and I put my day sack on. I, I said, yeah, I'll pick it up, put it on it. I let go and she fell back. <laughs> this is, yeah, and this is just the day sack, love. This isn't the full kit, yeah. <laughs> uh, they've all got bad knees, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, so, after Northern Ireland, what happened next? Uh, so, we went over to um, Patrick, Man Barracks, I think it was. Patrick, was it Man Barracks? Yeah, yeah. Well, we moved. We went. We went. We're, we're at one camp, but then moved. Can't remember which camp. I think we moved to Marm Barracks. Right. And it was there for quite a while, actually. So we went. We went there, and then we started training for Iraq. Then, so we were going to Iraq probably about six months after we we, we got back. So we kind of went into kind of training mode. Where did we go? We went Belize as well. We went to Belize. We went to the jungle for six weeks. Germany. Do the the kind of. The uh, firing drills out in Germany as well. So the training started pretty much as soon as we got back from Northern Ireland. The kind of serious training kicked in. Uh, what took yeah. for the build up to Iraq was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, we knew. And, and believe, believe. So you must laugh your laugh your socks off then at the celebrity get me out of here then. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Different ball game. Let's put it that way. I mean, a lot of the time it's. You know, we were out there doing training drills and stuff. Where it's a tough, tough place to train out there because it's yeah. when you when you're in the jungle, not not kind of the, the proper jungle. It's a different ball game. Navigation skills have to be at a certain. Terrain is horrendous at times. You're constantly soaking wet because of humidity and yeah. And you've wet. got the kit, and you and you got to keep your gap clean and everything else. And you're not allowed to shave and stuff. Um, but you're not there, so we all come out with big beards and that your hygiene's got to be on point. You've got to, you know, we were getting water from the local kind of um, little river and putting your purity tabs in the water. Yeah. So I was thinking, 
warm water for for six weeks. It was it was a uh, it was tough. Like it was good. I mean, you look back and it good experience out there. Good 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 training, character building, and all that. Because what it was yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, and that that's taking it to a different level. That because then in the jungle that does separate the real people, the men from the boys, the women from the girls, and yeah. And you were out in Germany. What was that doing? Uh, just, just, just firing drills. So they've got firing just, drills. Yeah, I think we were in Senelaga, was it? Ah, oh, yeah, Senelaga, Sunny Senna. Yeah, Sunny Senelaga. Yeah. So it, you've got all the kind of the the fibula um, kind of village yeah. out there. Yeah, you're uh, you're fibula training out there. Yeah, and for uh, any and for, if if you look if you're listening, you don't know what fibula is. It's fighting in built up areas. Uh, yeah, so. And that's interesting, uh, totally, because we, I, I used to be involved in a lot of battle sims organising for Fibula. Well, we did it ourselves because we had to understand yeah. what you guys were doing, uh, but setting up the uh, the flashbangs for you to make it real. So yeah. yeah. So so then after Germany, you you're uh, fully fledged and ready for Iraq. Then is it, or where did you go next? We went to Iraq, so. Um... We'd done a six month tour of Iraq. Um like what, year, what year was that? Eleven. So I think it was oh, I'm I'm terrible with with memory. So right. yeah. I'm pretty sure it was oh seven to oh eight. Okay. Uh, pretty sure it was. So yeah, we'd be done we done three months at, at Basra. We actually my um company were manning the, the, the prison for three months. Oh yeah, yeah. Then we went to Baghdad for three months and done. We were attached to the to the British Embassy doing doing all the um kind of the close protection stuff, kind of uh, vehicle patrols and stuff. Once the kind mm-hmm. of uh, back into it was a route Irish it was called. Uh, there was there was another PB at the top of route Irish and we were doing kind right. of um, going up and down there for certain kind of tasks and stuff. But yeah, like I say, it was good. Good, good. So, not, not not really a lot of action apart from IDF. Really, a lot of IDF, uh, direct, you know, kind of mortars, rocket attacks. When we were in both yeah. places, we were in Basra, it was you know every other day probably in Basra. Uh, Baghdad was you know probably not as much in Baghdad, but yeah. still a lot of lot of close calls with kind of rocket attacks and stuff. So, still still fun in its way, I suppose, but. Regarding the kind of you know hand to hand combat and that you know there wasn't there wasn't a lot of that to be fair being honest it was pretty. But mind you, to be fair, to put it into context, compared to living in in the northwest of England, having a few mortars going off on a daily basis is pretty hurry for someone who's not used to that, and that's why I always find it interesting how us soldiers, sailors, airmen just put things down like mortars going off, fire going off, coming into contact. Uh it's just one of those things. And, and and actually it's astounding, amazing that we just get on with it, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah, so it's always interesting how uh how we just put that down to daily living experiences when you come under mortar fire or contact with enemy for um, yeah, fire, and it's just normal. Yeah, I, I suppose you do. It's just, it's one of them when you're in that environment, you do all. I mean, no one, 
no one gets you ready. The, the training, you know, doesn't get you ready for actual being out there and, you know, being, being in, in the thick of it. Like, but it's still, it's probably it's part of your job and you understand it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And stuff like that. So I suppose it is, you, you normalise it, but it's, it's, I mean, it's definitely not a normal situation, let's face it. No, not on a not on a day to day civilian basis. Anyway, it might be for uh, roughy toughy soldiers, so to speak. But yeah, definitely uh, different. So, what happened after you did uh, Iraq? Then what happened? Um, again, we come back. Kind of, you go, you go through a kind of decompression phase when you come back. So, um, all the training slows down. You take all your annual leave. You've been away on a tour. So you have a lot of downtime, um, probably the six months after that. And then obviously once that kind of period's gone, you go into your more kind of training kicks up again. You pretty much always, the way it used to happen is kind of, you probably do a six-month tour every two years. Yeah. Uh, so you're kind of always in rotation. So when we come back, uh, it was downtime and then training stepped up, ready to go out to uh, Afghanistan, which we kind of knew we were going two thousand. So we done training exercises. We went to Kenya um, for six weeks, which was tough. We went to the Falcons. Um, so that's it, really. Yeah, yeah Falcons. Yeah, Falcons was fun. Kenya. Not, yeah, it was. It was a surreal place, Kenya. Not lie, but it was. It was tough. It was a tough environment to train. And you probably ask a lot of people, especially it like kind of. People that have been in the infantry, what it's like over there, and it's it's tough, tough yeah. place to be in. Yeah, it's a yeah. bit, a bit, a bit warm and desolate. Oh yeah, the heat is unbelievable, but it's the terrain as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's you know it's it's quite hilly, kind of rocky, and there's you know there's the terrain can be quite quite tough out there. Yeah. yeah. At, at the time, I was um, FSG as well, so fire support group, so. Javelin and, and, and guns. So we we were carrying a lot of kit, javelin missiles, EPMG link. Uh, <laughs> That's not light. They're not light. This is it. Like I think I, I had a javelin missile in me in me Bergen for like four or five weeks training out there, and it was it was horrendous. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember. I I I got a, I did a stint as storeman. And what we got was the uh, the Carl Gustav the eighty four mil uh, anti tank. That was a that was a bugger to carry around. That uh, it yeah. really messed up your day when when you were carrying that round. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's no it's no joke, and it, it makes it harder because obviously we were kind of assisting rifle companies, so you'd, you'd have your rifle companies and kind of you, you know your fighting order, so your body armor, day sack, kind of. Weapons and but we'd be up given kind of um bike support up in the high ground, yeah. Obviously, full bergens, water, rations, jimpy link, guns, javelin missiles. It was oh, you were carrying over 100 pounds then, oh, uh, easily. Like, and it was and the terrain, it, you know, some some of the some of the mountains and kind of the, the terrain was was tough out there, but. People, people think it's flat, Kenya. It's far from it. It's <laughs> like it, it was tough. We, we, we lost quite a few with injury out there. One or two with kind of, you know, heat injuries. Yeah. He just couldn't, couldn't handle the kit. But 
I was um, stupid enough to get to get through it. Like so, but well, to well, be well, fair, I was probably the fittest I'd ever been in my military career, and I come back from there. Oh well, well yeah, done. Yeah, super fit. But yeah, lost a couple of pounds as well. To be fair. Yeah, uh, a good a good weight loss program. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And 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 so you came after that training, uh, which was quite, which was tough, at Kenya and then the Falklands, which was enjoyable as well as having a lot of uh, good training. And, uh, you ready for Afghan now? Are you? Yeah, yeah. So again, we're going through kind of your normal drills and stuff, and stuff getting you ready. You're always kind of polishing up on drills just because you know they're going to be used out there. Um, a lot, um, getting the kit ready, you know. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, put, putting all the prep work in uh, to go out there. And I think we all knew what we were getting into with, with the racket scene. So at that time, it was a little bit different. Um, sorry, Afghan. It was Afghan, a, yeah. a bit different to Iraq at that time. We knew it was going to be, you know, we were going to be fighting out there and it was going to be going to be tough. And what, yeah. what was morale like? Um, and and you know because it's like in training the calm before the storm and um the morale and what sort of language we're using to each other. If I'm being honest, it was more kind. Of, I think you use humour a lot in the military to kind of mask a lot of stuff. Yeah, I don't. I never felt scared when I was in the army. Um, yeah. It's hard to explain. I was younger at the time as well. I was, you know, I was twenty-three. I've been in the army for a few years, and I've done a rack. So it's weird. You feel invincible and going out there. Nothing's gonna happen to me. It's gonna happen to someone else. Yeah. Obviously, obviously you're confident in in your training and stuff, and you're confident in the people around you. But yeah, maybe a bit of naivety um, sometimes. It's it's one of them, but it's. Do you drill it into you? Do you make sure you know you're in the, you know? Uh, and, and yeah, and let's be honest that that you'll be a crack team because you know where everyone is on a fire drill concert, anything. You just know where your mucker is. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, and I think as well, I think it, it our regiment is full of people from the northwest usually. The same kind of uh, of people. So we had a lot of people from Stockport, kind of Birkenhead, Runcorn, um, lads that have come from kind of probably tough backgrounds. So I like that kind of made us. I don't know. Maybe I don't want to say fearless. Maybe it's the wrong word. But I think a lot of us had already experienced stuff like kind of coming through um, from an early age. So you, you've been around environments that were tough. So I feel like that makes kind of tougher and more gamer soldiers, but it's kind of my, it's my opinion on it, really. Well, I mean, and your opinion's important because you've been there and, uh, and and you mixed it. It obviously helped you as well as other members of your team feel togetherness, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. So where did you fly from to uh, go to Afghan? Bryce Norton. Went from- ah, good old Bryce, yeah. Yeah, went from there. Um, and what did you go out in? Where did we fly into? I, 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 like I say, I'm memories quite short with stuff like this. 
we flew into just outside Afghanistan and then we, we got um, a hurricane into, into Afghanistan. Um, done the RSOI training um, for about a week, so yeah, acclimatised. The, the, the RSI? Uh, yeah, so he kind of acclimatised, went training, um, all the skills and drills that the people that have just come off the tour have picked up, they kind of pass on, so kind of detecting IEDs and all that stuff, it's kind of, it's like a, a week to 10 days yeah, of getting yeah. used to what it's like out there um, from the people that have just come off tour and yeah. people that have And again, it's getting your, your body used to the, to the difference in temperature, obviously the weather and stuff. So, And did um, you, the, the team that were, was handing over to you, how did they look? How did they perform? Did they look tired? And like, oh, thank goodness you're here, that's it, and it's yours. No, not really. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think it's just the way British soldiers are kind of. I think they're built. They're built a bit different, where you don't give much away. Yeah, uh, got that humour uh, to fall back on. So again, weakness is never usually shown. I know. I know it sounds kind of <laughs> words have changed now, haven't they? The world's changed, but back then it was. You know, you, you didn't give too much away. So even if you were feeling something. Definitely wouldn't let people kind of see you were feeling a certain way or yeah, just one of the things that were probably drilled into you. Um, like I said, different now, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose that the, especially when you're in it, you have to show unity in strength, and then afterwards, when you're in the squadron bar or or and and then a relaxation situation, then you can sort of start sharing a bit more, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 you're probably right. Again, once you're in that work environment, it's done, isn't it? So it's it's, um, it's serious work out there. So again, not, they weren't giving too much away, but yeah, I, I think when we got to our PB, so we were in, we were in Babaji, um, uh, we went to PB1 in Babaji, uh, which is near Giresh, when we took over, we took over from the, the Welsh, uh, Royal Welsh it was, and they were struggling because of the, the manpower that they just had. You just had a kid that had just been injured as well. Oh. For days before, he was quite badly injured, lost his lost his legs out there. So they were quite, I know they were, they were in a bit of a bad way. I think they couldn't wait to get home, but you could imagine it being, you know, the end of a six and a half month tour, you, you just want to get home. And, yeah. And they had a bad time of it. Um, couldn't really patrol that far out of out of the PB just because you just have didn't have the numbers. But we got there and we were quite, you know, the manpower was there. Um, yeah, we had a you know a, a company that arrived rather than you know a platoon, so it was different for us. But yeah, I suppose all right. So you were, you must have felt pretty empowered then being a full full strength a company at full strength. Yeah, yeah, and we were attached to. Um, the Afghan army as well, so uh, there was a company um, we kind of shared a, a PB. Half the PB was was Afghan army, and half the PB was was us. I mean, we had a lot more numbers in days. They'd only bring out a few guys at a time, but was... so you're so you're out there. You've relieved the Royal Welch. Uh, things are going from day to day, and then what happened? Yes, yeah, so I was out there for about eight weeks. Um, the first week was. A little bit 
Um, not a lot happened. It was poppy season, so um, they were they were they were harvesting the old poppy. So not not a lot of not a lot of life value went down. But as soon as soon as them them poppies were, were harvested, and the, the, you know it, it went it went red pretty, pretty quickly. To be fair, um, and that, and that's where they get their money from, isn't it? Yeah. So they they don't, they don't really get involved in any of the, any of the combat stuff once that's. Um, but once that's done, and you know, they send off for, yeah, to to get the old um, drug money off, I suppose, yeah. and uh, yeah, not too fast. Um, so yeah, it was quite again massive eye opener for us. We knew it was going to be quite quite tough out there, but it was um, yeah, it was be relentless, like out there fighting for hours on end and stuff, and it was most days. Um, very, very rarely we went out. We went out and um, didn't come under contact. So it was. Um... I mean, go into as much or as little detail as you want on the on the on a contact. So what what's the feeling and the morale of of the men? And and by this time, where, where were you in the in the hierarchy? So I mean, I, I was still a private soldier. I I had a few discipline issues. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I've been on a promotion ban. Um, something that happened. Um, but oh, I, I was... forgive me, forgive me for laughing, but it, it just took me back to some memories then of when you said, "Yeah, yeah, I get you." You know, I, I wasn't. Um, I don't know. I, I was no angel when I was in, when I was in and put it that way. Yeah. You know, you look back now, and obviously you're young and stuff. You know, nothing like that anymore. I was a bit of a lad when I was. When I was a young man, let, 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 let's put it lightly. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but we, I was, you know, I was, I was a senior soldier out there. I've been in, I've done my time, well respected within the team. Um, I didn't feel like a private soldier. I felt like yeah. you know, you know, in a in a good position within the within the company. It was eventful. It was eventful out there. Let's uh, let's put it that way. And what? So what was your biggest challenge while you were out there? Uh, I, I mean, for me, I, I got injured, so I stood on an ID and lost my right leg above me. Um, and what year was that? That was in 2010. So that was that was on on the first tour of Afghan. Um, we we'd, we'd been out on a fighting patrol, um, been a, been in a fight for a couple of hours, and we were on our way back into camp, walking down the kind of a, a side alley, and Probably about seven or eight people walked kind of ahead of me. Right. So, but again, we're, we're talking probably millimeters. You know, it's it, it wasn't me; it would have been someone else, kind of in front or behind. So, yeah, I, I stood on an ID, took it full force. Only one that was injured, really. Yeah, again, resulted lost. Kind of knew straight away. Kind of didn't really not be conscious about. Um, you just felt a massive bang, like a deep thud. Yeah. It, you know, you know you're in a bad way because you've got ECM. You got your day sack wrapped around your your neck, and that you're yeah. in obviously awkward position. And then you know, your ears are ringing, and so even though you you know you can wear all the ear defenders if you want, you stand on a bar and your ears are going. Yeah. And thank you for your service. And and what was going through your mind at that time when you know you got the ringing in your ears, uh, and 
and I know I know what it's like to, to have the ringing in your ears. I've I've not lost a limb, but I know what you what the situation is like. So, what are you thinking then? Um, it's hard to explain. To be fair, because the first couple of seconds are pretty silent. You know, it's, it's a massive shock, and then the ears start ringing, and then I think kind of knew straight away that was in a bit of a bad way. A lot of people don't experience pain uh, once they've lost limbs or something, yeah. but I think because I had sustained so many other injuries, I I did. It was The pain was, was extreme. Again, not really sure how to explain the type of pain, but it's it's a deep pain. Um, if, if that, I always kind of say it, it's a deep pain. You can't explain it. It's just it's a different type of pain that I've ever experienced, but you kind of understand the reason why you just had the But uh, yeah, it was a deep pain. But yeah, it wasn't the only kind of injury that I had. So I had, I knew the leg was gone because I looked down and it was the, it was the femur bone that was sticking out. The femur was snapped. Um, oh, ouch. And then the rest of my leg was like, it was like mush. If that makes sense, it was like yeah. it was a, the rest of my leg. My left leg was snapped in half than the tib and fib, so um, lower leg injury that was snapped in half. And uh, so that was, and then my right arm was broke. You see on there, there's a bit of scar tissue damage oh, on there. Yeah. That was that was broken. Obviously, a lot of um, kind of tissue damage on there and I kind of lost a, a, a tip of the finger as well uh, a bit you know small hand kind of injuries and that nothing too major I mean they don't major at the time but when it first happens it's you know it was it was a stinger anyway um, and so, yeah yeah I, I suppose after that you know the team started getting round you then so you know you feel a bit more at ease obviously I wasn't thinking, it's weird because I never thought I was going to die. And I was in a bad way. I never had him, I never thought to myself, this is it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people might think that this is it for me, but I never thought I was going to die. I was in a lot of pain and stuff, but I never thought to myself, this is it. So all these lights flashing before your eyes and all that, I didn't have any of that. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that. But, uh, but again, we were still kind of in a firefight. So, there's a, there was a lot of commotion, a lot of panic going around me still. But to be fair, from when the time I was injured to the to the Chinook coming out, and you know, I, I don't think it was it, it wasn't long at all. It was probably about you know, twelve minutes, something like that. So, um, oh, they, right. they, they obviously they cleared a uh, uh, cleared a, a pathway. It was a kind of an open field, um, you know, pretty pretty close to everywhere. So the Chinook come in. I remember I had to. They put me on a on a stretcher, and my leg dangled over the stretcher, so it kind of it was snapped like the, the calf. I remember that happening because that was again that's that stung a bit. And then once they put me down, ready for for the for the schnook to come in, they had to straighten my leg. So, you know, when you break a bone, you've got to yeah. put your leg. <clears throat> yeah. Think you know when I got that done as well, we made just said to me, you know. He gave me a bit of wood and said, "You you need to bite down this a minute." But yeah, he put my leg straight and just 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 got me on 
on the chopper. I remember saying to the medic straight away, I just said, put me to sleep. First thing is, like, as soon as I got on there, I can't remember everything, what was going on. You kind of, there's a team on there, they're all getting around, you're working on you, tripping your kit off and stuff. And I said to him, hey, just, just put me to sleep. Like, yeah. Because you say on the build-up back in Belize and then Germany, you were the fittest that you'd ever been. So I yeah. suppose that, because physical fitness, as you know, isn't just about the body, is it? Because it makes your mind fit as well. So I find it extremely interesting that you're not even thinking about dying, even though you've had bits broken, bits flying off you, missing fingers, and you're still thinking, no, I'm going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it. I don't know why thought that I, I can't explain the reason why I didn't think I was going to die I just I just didn't I, I didn't feel like it was it was my time but yeah it was it, it was a, a strange one I suppose so so they've Kazi backed you out um and uh where do you go where do you go to then yeah so they took me into the um the, the main um hospital at the, uh, the the kind of hospital over there in Afghanistan where you treat all the injured soldiers and you usually get you back to, to, to Birmingham pretty sharply. But when I get injured, do you remember the ash cloud that was on? Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know. So that was going on. So I had to wait a couple of days to, for me to fly back. Remember parts of being in, being in the hospital over in Afghanistan, people come to see me and stuff. Yeah, probably on all kinds of drugs and that. So it, it's one of them. But yeah, after that, they got me back to, to Birmingham, to Sally Oak. Sally Oak, yeah. Yeah, so again, back there, it's, you know, it's when, you, you know, you, you, your friends and, and your family can come and see you then. It was, yeah, and obviously you, you're you in a, a ward just full of soldiers that have been been injured, some some worse than me, so it wasn't a pleasant place to be, let's put it that way. I've seen some, seen some sights in there, so... Yeah, yeah, I bet. How was because I've, I've been to Sally Oaks a few times um, visiting, and what was what was the general m- morale like in there? Uh, do you know what? I think once you get to a certain stage, uh, you're you know you become you become okay. For the first six weeks, I couldn't really talk because I had damage to my throat. Through the um, through the tubes and stuff, you put down your throat. Oh yeah, my yeah, yeah. Vocal cords were bruised, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I couldn't really speak that much. It was more kind of it was frustrating because basically, obviously, I had the left leg. I had kind of like metal bars through it because where it was keeping my leg straight. Right, my leg was obviously gone, but we both arms were up in slings. So the, I, you can imagine I was like this. Uh, <laughs> so you're, you're like this Mr. Strongman and you can't do anything, yeah? It was. It was a lot of it was frustration um, because you can't move, you can't, you know, you, you can't get your own drink, you can't brush your own teeth. Well, the, probably the first few weeks were frustrating for me because I couldn't talk. Even when I needed painkillers and stuff, I couldn't couldn't really couldn't tell anyone. Oh, so, so you can't speak, you can't press a buzzer. Because your hands are up in the air, you can't walk anywhere. Right. Yeah, it was um, it was it was grim. I'm not gonna lie. It was probably the worst time of it. 
the first few weeks. Again, as well, you, you're probably getting your head around your life's change forever as well. Um, and again, to add to that, you, you know, you're stuck like a scarecrow and you can't move. So, and you can't speak. So it was, it was um, mentally quite, quite, quite a tough time. Um, but again, I, I, it's only a, a small portion of time. You kind of get your head around it quick enough. Once you start being able to move and getting in a wheelchair and getting about, you can, you know, your friends and family can come and see you, and you can go even just to have a coffee or whatever, and uh, you know, in a, in a, in a canteen and stuff. It, yeah. you know, it becomes a little bit better. Do you know what I mean? And you start to get your freedom back then, don't you? And you feel, oh yeah, I can move, yeah. Yeah, that, that's it, and you know it's 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 kind of no joke in there because I, I had this. So it's called an Elizaroth cage on on my left leg. So I, when they first um, when it first got broke, you just kind of put makeshift poles in, look like kind of scaffolding poles into yeah. your leg, and then to get obviously a specialist to come in, put this Elizaroth cage in. So basically, it's like a Meccano set. Yeah. You have kind of bolts into each side of the of the um, of your bone, yeah, and then you rim around with like um, wires going through. Did what one was going through my knee, the one through my ankle, the one was through like a central part. So once they're in, they kind of want you to go up on it, yeah. yeah. But the physio was kind of you know, it wasn't, it was no kind of feeling sorry for yourself once you were able to do something, you know, you got up and done it again, probably the mindset thing as well, military mindset. I think it probably you have to get out of that kind of that thought. You know, sat there moping around, feeling the side for yourself. You think never will get better if you don't get off your ass and do something. So you kind of click into that pretty quick. Uh, become then becomes kind of a determination then to, to kind of get back on your feet and stuff. Um, I had the cage on for about fourteen months in the end, so it held me back a lot. It was frustrating when I had it on. And, you know the 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 pain of it. I, I was in pain with it every single day. So you can imagine the frustration. But you know, yeah, it saved it saved that part of your leg. So it, it you know it, it done its job. So it was worth it. So I suppose but, yeah. no, pain, no pain, no gain. Literally. Well, that's it. That's it. You know, and I, I was in hospital for what nine weeks. So. Considering what had happened, I don't nine weeks to make a, a decent enough recovery to be able to leave. Um, yeah, I think it's it's not too bad, not too shabby, I suppose. No, well, well, not too shabby. I think it's a bit of an understatement, mate. Like that, that's pretty pretty good going. That to be out in nine weeks. Uh, interesting that you mentioned. That about seven or eight of the blokes in front on that patrol missed that IED. How many of them came to see you at some stage? That because you would have been back in senior unit, would you? Yeah, we had, had people coming in trips and drafts and stuff like that. Um, if I'm being honest, that part was. I mean, they they were they were still on tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A lot of time to, to uh, you know, a lot, a lot of time out there after that. I did catch up with him back, you know, after it and stuff. But when I was in the hospital, he wasn't didn't really get down there. No, 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 still on duty on on tour. 
the, the reason yeah. I ask is because I always find it interesting about, about maybe some form of imposter syndrome or guilt syndrome, like people saying, oh, that should have been me. It shouldn't have been you, mate. Or I know yeah. I know people who have said, he shouldn't have died. It should have been me. Do you know what I mean? And so that's what I was thinking, if that makes sense. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I... I mean, me, myself, personally, I'm not, I'm not one to, to think that way, to be honest. No, well, well, I picked up on the fact that you said if it, if it hadn't have been me, it would have been someone else. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, they, 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 could, have, they could have had that kind of point of view. I mean, I think some people do, like, but I, I've been, I don't know whether it's from an early age, I've never felt sorry for myself for too long. I yeah, accept yeah, yeah. stuff. You know what's happened can't be changed, so it's one of them. It's, it's how you react to it is is what matters, isn't it? So I've always been one of them. I've I've never been a bit of a a whinge bag or a sulker. I kind of get on with it and deal with stuff as it goes. And I get that that comes through in bucket loads and the fact that you just get on with it and and you there's no regrets. You're not looking at the past. You're looking to now and to the future, which I think is commendable and it's amazing. It's clear then that you're not going to be able to function as you did previously as a soldier, right? In yeah. your unit. So what happens then? I think once 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 I'm fully well, I say fully fit. Once I'm fit enough to kind of you know be independent and stuff, and the time in the military is kind of coming to an end. I suppose I'm looking around at stuff to do, but obviously at the time you get a bit of a payoff and stuff. Um, for your injuries, you get a pension. So it was, I wanted to do something kind of I, I enjoyed and I felt passionate about. So I kind of went down the the, the personal training route. I felt like it's something that I've, you know, I have a lot of experience in. Yeah. You know, I suppose I felt like I could offer, you know, I, I could be the person that's maybe a little bit of an inspiration. If I can get fit and you, you can do it, kind of no excuses type of thing. Which is good. Again, I went away, done the personal training course, uh, got out and and started doing it. Really, um, probably made the mistake of going out of town. You know, I was living in Runcorn, um, and I kind of went to Liverpool to try and to try and get a, like a decent client base out there. But to be fair, I didn't really know anyone out there, so I was starting yeah. to scrap. Bit, bit of a struggle, but you know, I kind of got there in the end. But Again, the whole stop-start thing. I got the I got out the uh, the military in November, um, and then I think in the the April I was back in hospital again with uh, pancreatitis. So yeah, back back in intensive care for a week. N- nearly died from it as well. Um, yeah, lost lost a, lost a lot of weight. I think I was like fifteen stones for that, like um, and then I was went down to like nine and a half stone through the through the illness. So it was it was it was a bad one. Uh, that would have been fifteen stones to nine and a half stone. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a bit bit of a bit of a mad one to be fair. But, you don't half like your weight loss programs you don't you? These people I don't do things by half for do it. <laughs> but yeah that that Things it's again un- un- unlucky. Kind of had gallstones, and one of the stones got lodged in some some tube or whatever, and then yeah, it was 
again, pain was horrendous for that as well. Really, really shocking. Yeah, it, that that was again different type of pain, but still ruthless. It's really, really bad. Like shocking. But yeah, I mean, the, the reason I, I kind of I got to will off it really is I was I was in hospital for about six months altogether. Really, kind of in and out because I I had the initial pancreatitis, which is bad enough. Um, but then I kind of went home and I wasn't getting any better and stuff. I had another another attack, and what it was, I I grew a cyst on my pancreas, pseudo cyst, which put me back in. I had to go. I had to move to the Royal in Liverpool, where they specialise in that thing. I, I was in there for, for a number of months while I had to drain it and had a number of operations to kind of clean it and stuff. So. Yeah, it was kind of never ending. I was in hospital. What year was that? That would have been 2014, that would have been. So, I, so again, that, that's that's another thing as well. I had to, you know, you think you're getting somewhere, you get out of the military, you get out of the army, you, you know, you start a new career, you think you're getting somewhere, and then something happened and it just knocks you straight down to the, to the beginning again. So, again, it was just a, <laughs> a thing. You had to kind of build yourself up again and, to be fair, I had like a I had like a bag on, on my side there. It was like because they were draining it and stuff. All right. stuff was coming out of it, but I was still going to the gym and stuff with it on. So I was I was kind of had that mentality where I wanted to kind of get back to where I was. So I wasn't I wasn't kind of thinking that's it again. You know, again, the whole thing is not feeling sorry for yourself. I was I was looking forward to the recovery, and getting back on my feet again, and getting stronger and getting fitter again. It wasn't a kind of, you know, moaning so, about so at this stage, at this stage then you're just a, a recovery machine then, aren't you? A bit, a bit. <laughs> I've had no choice to be fair. It's not, <laughs> it's not a choice, you just do it. But when you know when something happens to you, you, you kind of you I told you I've got a choice, but you know, it's it's always gotta be kind of get back. Get back to where you was, or, or better if you can. So yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, definitely. So so when when we're using the engineers, we use the term "build a bridge and get over it." You certainly know how to build bridges, don't you? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been. Yeah, I've had a few um, not back. <laughs> so yeah. so, what's the secret of because uh, what what I mean? Well, we'll kind of because so far we're only in two thousand fourteen, so there's a few more years. But I want to know. At this stage, what what mentality, what was the process that you go through to get the secret of your success, if that makes sense? I don't know. I wouldn't say does you could you could put your finger on, on what it is. I, I suppose I, I've never liked to be I don't know. I've always liked to to, to be strong man, strong headed and kind of strong in body as well, I suppose. I never like people looking at me like I'm, I'm a weak person. Um, right. I know this sounds quite bad, but when I was in a wheelchair, I when I, as soon as I got out of that wheelchair, I always said to myself, I'll never be in a wheelchair again. Even when I, got, I, had, I had another operation and stuff, but I never used a wheelchair. I was always in crutches. And yeah. it's just the kind of, you know, looking up, looking up at a wheelchair, you feel quite vulnerable and stuff. Um, yeah. And it's a mindset, really, of <clears throat> never... We, it's... It, you know, I've, maybe it's a bit of an old school mindset. I don't know. Like, like I say, the world's changed a bit now. Yeah. But my mind is I, I never like to look weak. I never like to look weak-minded. So it was always 
and I need to get back to where I was and, and nothing's going to stop me. So, yeah, bit of, bit of that. I remember where I think it was my mum was pushing me in a wheelchair and someone came up uh, that I knew and said, how's he doing? And I said, hey, Mush, I'm down here. You can ask me. You don't need to ask my mum. You can ask me how am I doing. This is it. And I think, listen, I, I have the kind of... Um, People that are in wheelchairs and that I have a lot of sympathy because I was in one for such a long time. And there's nothing worse than looking up at someone when you're speaking to them in a wheelchair. Yeah, um, I know. Maybe that's kind of my mindset, but it's not. You automatically feel a little bit inferior, like, and I didn't, I didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't I, like I, it. I, and and what, what grips me as well, and I don't know, probably will you, is when people... Uh, park in a in a disabled spot and then jump out the car and sprint off to do shopping or whatever. I never get yeah. that. Well, you can imagine some of the looks I get when I when I park in a blue badge. Um, then you know, still relatively youngish, like yeah, you know, kind of keep yourself in half decent shape and stuff. So you all you automatically think, especially it's, it's older people. To be fair, yeah. Park in that, I get the snottiest looks. And I've had people question me and stuff for that. Have you? Yeah, I've had, I've had people saying, like, kind of, you know, is that by flat? And I'm like, yeah, it is. I'm like, I'll, I'll show you your injuries and you, you show your mind. You know what I mean? You show me yours, I'll show you mine. Yeah. And I mean, I laugh it off, like, but, yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So, fast forwarding from 2014, how did you, how did you crack on then? What happened to what happened to your business as a PT? Uh, yeah. What did you decide to do next? Yeah, so I was self-employed. So the business obviously not much happened to it apart from I couldn't kind of finish training clients. But I, I kind of went back to a different gym. Um, me and me and a, a kind of a, a colleague from the gym got kind of persuaded to take over this gym. I say a gym; it was a it was a fitness studio, and we kind of got kind of coached into taking over from this. From this fella, he, he can't. He, we were quite, we were relatively inexperienced, but kind yeah. of full of enthusiasm, kind of thing. He wanted to make yeah. it work, and, he, and I think where the gym was and the studio was, it wasn't a great place. He, he was struggling with money, and he kind of he basically palmed it off on us and said, you know, <laughs> kind of drop the seed, kind of thing. <laughs> we off, it's a bit stupid. So we took the gym on and. Um, it was going okay to be fair. It wasn't it wasn't like a, a massive kind of failure, but he was from um he was from out of town, so he was from Manchester, his missus from Liverpool, he split up and he, he moved away, so he was kind of leaving it. So obviously I couldn't couldn't manage it by myself because the bills and stuff. So, you know, quite a long story short, we, we ended up kind of getting fined or kind of sued from it because we couldn't I couldn't pay the rent. He he left the business as a whole anyway, CCJs and and fine and stuff. But you know, it was a. I didn't really. I didn't have any knowledge about business and stuff like that. And I was, you know, I was. You you, you go from being a soldier and that's all you know, and you think you're gonna be a personal trainer. It's all gonna be easy. Uh, taking a gym on, it's you know, it's 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 easy enough. But there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, and I, I wasn't aware of it at the time, so again, it was a, uh, it was annoying. It was I annoyed myself more than anything, being stupid enough to take it on. But again, massive learning curve for me. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I only got rid of a CCJ about what six months ago, maybe. So, well, was, congratulations. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a, it was a, it put me on hold for quite a long time. So, but again, it was nothing happens for a reason. But it uh, is what it is. And I suppose from the transitioning, because we've covered much of that, but the transition from the military, I know your your exit was unplanned. So it wasn't like a normal exit transition. Uh, you weren't really equipped for business and 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 financials, and you know what I do. I, I since nineteen eighty eight, I've been a financial advisor, uh, and I, I went back in the military and didn't leave until two thousand and one. Then I recognised just how undereducated, if that's the right term, in business and finance and. Given that you would have had that sort of guidance, how much difference would that have made to you? It would have been massive, to be fair. Um, again, e- even some of a little bit of knowledge that could have kind of give you a little nudge and said, you know, probably not best to do that. You might want to think of this yeah. or kind of going into it blind and kind of naive and quite quite stupid. Really, you, you kind of again, you think you can do anything, don't you? When uh, you know, yeah. you don't anything. You think I'll make it work. Um, that was the case, but again, it, it would have been a massive help. But again, learn the hard way again, I suppose. It's one of them, isn't it? You know, well, you well, yeah, well, and there's two ways to learn uh, the yeah. hard way or the easy way. And, and the fact is that what what I find really amazing about you is you, you've just got this like boomerang characteristic. You just keep coming back, no matter yeah. no matter what. So, so that business didn't end so well. So, what happened after you did that? What I went and worked for a local gym, like a pure gym, for a little bit, and still kind of held on to the personal training aspect. But even being quite honest, I lost a lot of love for it. Then, to be fair, wasn't sure what route I wanted to go down. So I started kind of looking on the old um, CITB web website, so looking at different jobs and stuff, looking at different courses I could do. Um, so I, I jumped on it, pulled an Amazon Web Services course uh, in Manchester. That was a kind of a free course uh, to attend. So a lot of people that attended the course were kind of still in the military. So I went on to that course, and it was more about IT and stuff, but again, didn't really have much of a feel for it. I just wanted to go in and have a look. It was a free course. I wasn't doing much. So I went on a course and kind of opened my eyes a little bit to, to, to different aspects, different roles. Yeah, so I, I went and um, done a, a print suit qualification in project management. It's kind of a general qualification. You know, it's um, more of the basic principles of project management. And so it's a kind of a good thing to have your CV. So I went away and done that and put a CV together and put it on um, your normal kind of Indeed and stuff. Yeah. Acted pretty swiftly actually by a local business um, for a project coordinator job um, for a retail installation company. Yeah, and it was in one corner, it was five minutes down the road. So I went, got done the interview, got the job pretty much first go. Snappy days. And again, another massive learning curve for me was working within an office environment, um, learning how to work a computer. Ne- never used one really. I, obviously, I'd use computers, basic computer skills and stuff, but never used Excel, never really used Word. That's to kind of learn the basics. 
learn how to kind of speak to people in the office because again coming from that military environment it's not always it's not it's not exactly the same sort of environment in an office is it it's probably similar to working on the building site if that makes sense yeah 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 yeah. the the cracks are a little bit different and stuff so you have to kind of stay in the actual environment Not, not that it's a bad thing but yeah so it was just about kind of learning that and working within an office environment and kind of learning new skills really that I'd, I'd never had but I, I kind of I understand I, I understood the detail that I was starting from the bottom and I had to work my way up I was you know I, I wasn't going to go in there and kind of you know step on anyone's toes or anything I, I knew the level that I was starting at, but I was prepared to do it good yeah it was, it was a, I mean massive learning experience for me I mean the money wasn't great the, the, the business I was working for wasn't great, if I'm being honest, but it was a massive learning curve. And, you know, it, 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 you know, and it gave you a break and the ability to train as well. So, yeah, well, well that's it. That's it. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I was there for about, what, two years, maybe two, two and a half years. So, the, so this brings us up to pretty much modern day now, then, doesn't it? Up to, up to date. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, obviously, how I got into my job now is, is I was um, one of my old captains in, in my regiment. Uh, I'd set up a, a charity to help ex-military find a pathway into the construction industry. Oh, uh, wow. Project Recky, the call. You might have heard of them. Yeah, yeah. A guy called Lord Moore. Um, so we kind of... One of my mates is going through him, and he was, uh, he attended one of the courses, and he come to me. I was looking for a bit of a change. And he said, "Why don't you, why don't you speak to Lord?" And you know, I, I always thought the construction industry was, um, I always thought the physical aspect of it. So I thought, you know, I'm not going to be able to do half of that stuff and that. Um, but he said, well, you know, just just to, just attend the course. I'll, co- I'll come and have a chat with me, and we'll talk it through. So I ended up ringing him, having a chat. And he said, you know explain about all the different roles and stuff that it entails. It's not just kind of your, you know, your brickies and your, your, your sparks and all that good stuff. So, yeah, it was good. I, I attended the course. Um, it was a four-week course, so it was three weeks uh, face-to-face. It was in Manchester, one of the, um, the Royal Legions. Royal Legions oh, right. there. Yeah. Uh, really good course, actually. Uh, again, I opened my eyes. I got the chance to speak to different companies and stuff. Uh, and then done a little bit of work experience in um, for a company called Morgan Sindels on the the spine building in Liverpool City Centre. I don't know if you've right. heard of that. Right. Yeah, I've done a bit on there. And to be fair, COVID hit um, oh. not a long ago. That. So, again, through another mixer in, I suppose. But I ended up working for Project Recce for a, for a few months, just doing general admin tasks and and stuff and stuff like that. And I was doing bits and bobs on the course, done like a bit of a talk and on resilience and stuff. So I was still still working, probably t- more part time. Um but again it kept me kept me busy I suppose. And then off the back of that uh, one of the one of the guys who had been on the course and was actually working for Bath Beauty um who shared a, a job job from the website as a public relations officer for Balfour Beatty. Uh, I had a look at the kind of different aspects of the role, but yeah, probably something I could do that. 
yeah, applied for the job, went, went for the interview, and luckily got the job. Kind of been in, in this role ever since, really. That's um, absolutely brilliant. You've certainly got the experience to do it. So, fabulous. Out of interest, could, by the way, thank you so much for sharing that history with me. That's just phenomenal. And talk about my, my favourite phrase. Uh, well, I think it reflects a lot of what happens in the military is it happens, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and, and it's what we do with it when it happens uh, that I find always fantastic about us military guys, guys, men and women. So yeah. what, how transferable do you think the, the skills are that you learn in the military and you pick up from challenges that that are really valuable in Civvy Street. And by the way, I noticed that each time you say, oh, well, I didn't really know a lot about that and I wasn't sure whether I could do it. How how valuable do you think the skills are in the military and transferable to Civvy Street? I think they're massive. I think, I think a big one within the military is communication skills. You need to be sparring in communication skills, especially kind of when you're going away on tour and you're in, you know, um, in that type of environment. So your communication skills need to be on point. I think that really transfers and you can communicate well uh, within any industry, really. Um, yeah. I think I think having the background within the military gives you a certain confidence as well. Um, you usually like to take take different roles on. You're not, you're not afraid to kind of, be counted for and you don't you understand that you can't do a thing perfect but if you do it to the best of your ability then you know it's kind of all that matters really so yeah i think communication and and having a bit of um you know a bit of bit of confidence bit of self-confidence i think it goes a long way yeah and thank you so we're, we're coming to the end now i mean I, I could talk with you for days actually uh, uh and uh we haven't got days because i know you've got to do some some stuff and by the way uh, you're still recovering from the bug that you got. So, just to finish with, what's the one, the one big thing, the top tip that you would give to someone leaving the military, either through forced leaving or structured leaving, forced from injury or whatever? What's the one tip you would give them to be successful on some city street, or even someone who has left but maybe on tough, tough times? I think the main one is be resilient. I think. Um... It's easy to kind of look at something and give up pretty much straight away. Identify what your skills are and what where you'd like to go within your career and stick to it. You know, create an idea of where you want to be and who you want to be and, and, and be resilient with it. I think, in my eyes, people think you try something once and it doesn't go your way. You, you know, it's you, you can give up or, or you can you, you get your head down and think, no, this is never going to work. But with anything, the more you do something, the better you get. Yeah, you have anything, you know, you go out and, I don't know, play tennis. You play tennis for the third time, you're going to be rubbish. <laughs> you play, yeah, you're going to be at a certain level. It's like it's like a working environment. When I first started my first job, I, I was rubbish at the job. I didn't know anything about it. You start from scratch. You're in a, you're in a, a you know, an environment that you're not, you've got no knowledge of. I, didn't, I had pretty much basic knowledge of of construction and civil engineering. Now, I'd say at a you know, decent enough level, maybe not on the technical side of things, but I understand the aspect of how it works and yeah. why it's done the way they are. 
So again, it's it's just about being resilient because you're never going to be perfect at anything when you're only just starting off. Um, so stick at it, and you know, times you know, times the best 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 thing you have, isn't it? When you, yeah. you do now, time is the the more time you spend doing something, the, the better you get. And even even if it's by accident, you should you do something every day. You know, by accident, even if you don't want to get better at something, you, you'll get better because you're doing yeah. it. Yeah, so it's I'd say yeah, just resilient, be resilient with it. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Well, listen, Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for spending time with me today, and I'm so pleased that you're well on the road when you've recovered and you're well on the way to even better and more success. Thank you. Well, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me on, mate. It's been good. Take care, bud. Cheers. Okay, bye now.